Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. What's up? Okay, so let me set the scene for you guys, okay? Mom comes out of the kitchen. She's frantic. She looks at you and says, we're having company for dinner tonight. I need you to go set the table right now. So you go straight to the cabinet and you grab what you think is appropriate. You grab some paper plates because you're thinking to yourself, you know, on a lot of nights, our family has to do a quick dinner. Nights where we've got sports, nights where we've got church. So we just throw some sandwiches or some leftovers on paper plates. So this ought to be good. And then you think to yourself, ooh, but we're having company tonight. So paper plates are good, but like, it's not going to be a quick dinner. We're going to linger at the table. So there's probably something better. So you go back to the cabinet and you get out the plastic plates. These are like the everyday plates your family uses when it's you, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, right? These are the plates you've been using forever because they're safe. You can't break these when you're little kids. So this is definitely better. But then you think to yourself, yeah, but it's not family dinner tonight. It's company. So you go back to the cabinet and you think, okay, okay, now I've got it. I'm getting out the glass plates. Oh, that's right. That's right. Fancy. Because you know mom. You know mom. She wants to set the best table when she's having company. So paper plates are good. Plastic is definitely better. But the glass plates, the fancy plates that she doesn't let you guys normally use because you'll break them, that's best, right? Now, where am I going with this? Great question. You guys have been learning a little bit about the Trinity. You've been learning that God is definitely one being, but there are three entities involved. So there's one, but three, three, but one. And the thing about the Trinity is in his Trinitarian self, God is 100% awesome. But I think that in his relationship with us, there is a little bit of this good, better, and best going on. See, in the Old Testament, God wanted to come near his people. He wanted to dwell near his people. And so he asked the Israelites, his chosen people, if they would build a tabernacle, if they would build a place where God's spirit could come down and dwell. And so the Israelites came together and they brought all of their best stuff. They brought the purest gold and the most beautiful linens and the strongest of lumber, and they built a tabernacle made for a king. The problem was is that God was so huge And God was so pure that God's spirit was too overwhelming to get too near the people. And so God actually had to stay behind the curtain. And only the high priest could go back there and visit him. So God wanting to come near his people was, it was good. But God knew he could do better. And so in the New Testament, we see God become incarnate, which is just a fancy word for saying God put on flesh. And now we see God the Son, not just coming near his people, but dwelling among his people. Jesus is now walking and talking with his people for over 30 years. And in those last three years, Jesus didn't just talk to them, but he taught them. He healed them. He fed them. He performed all kinds of miracles. Ultimately, he forgave them. And we get the purest picture of God's love in God the Son. So God in the tabernacle, that was good. But God on earth, definitely better. But here's the crazy thing. God still knew there was more. 
Now you may be thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is she about to say there's something better than like Jesus? I'm pretty sure she's about to preach heresy. Nope, I'm not, I promise. Look at this, Jesus himself says this in John chapter 16, verse seven. Jesus said to his disciples, very truly, I tell you, it is better for you that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus himself said that this is even better. So God near his people in the tabernacle, good. Jesus among his people dwelling on the earth, better. Better. Grab the wrong plate. Better. But God, the Holy Spirit, where does he dwell? The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And this is God's very best. But here's the question. What makes this the best? Why is the Holy Spirit so special? What's the big deal, right? Well, last week the question was asked and answered, who is the Holy Spirit? This week I want to answer the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? Because the thing is, I think we can see evidence of God the Father. We can see evidence of him creating the whole world and sustaining all things, and it's really clear that he's at work. And I think we can see evidence of God the Son in our lives. We feel his love. We feel his presence. We know that he has redeemed us, that he's forgiven us of our sins. We know that he takes all of the broken pieces and he puts them back together again. So very clearly, God the Son is moving. But can we see evidence of the Holy Spirit? Do we know that he's moving? Maybe, maybe he's doing things in us that we're not fully aware of. I think that's possible. And so my hope for tonight is that I can share with you just a few things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And then now from here on, you'll be able to recognize the Spirit when he is present and when he's moving. So what does the Holy Spirit do? First of all, the Spirit guides us. The Spirit is our guide. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about this in Romans chapter 8. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, and it, and it can't do it. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. But you, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. So here's what Paul is getting at in Romans chapter 8. I want you to think of it like two paths. You've got two paths, and you get to choose which path you're going to go down. Now, one of these two paths is the path of destruction, and one of these paths is the path of delight. Now, I want you to guess with me, which would you say this one is over here? Would you say this is the path of destruction or delight? What do you think? I hear, I hear a little bit of both. I hear a little bit about both. So what about this one over here then? Oh, you guys are smart cookies. That's right. Now, this path over here, it is well lit, and it's really appealing to the eye. It looks pretty safe. I'd say it's a pretty easy hike. And if we're left to our own devices and to make our own choices, we're probably going to choose this path over here. But here's the thing. This path is the path of destruction. See, the enemy, Satan, 
He has built this great big lie that says, this is the path you want to take. Look how great it is. It's so easy. It's so simple. Come down this path. But it's a lie. This is actually the path of destruction. It will destroy us. But see, here's the good news about the Spirit. He lives inside of us, and He helps us make our decisions. And the Holy Spirit is going to guide us to make a better choice here. He's going to guide us to choose the path of delight. Now, this path over here doesn't look very delightful, but it is. So here's what I want you to recognize about the path of delight. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be hard moments. There's going to be hurdles you've got to jump over, things like fear and doubt, maybe even pain and trials. But that's the great thing about our guide, the Holy Spirit. He's with us always. He will never leave us. And so when we're on the path of delight and we come across trouble, he's going to help us through that. But how? How does the Holy Spirit help us on the path of delight? Well, I think this takes us to our second thing. The Spirit doesn't just guide us, but the Spirit also reminds us. Here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear, they're not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. But all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will be with you and will remind you of everything that Jesus has taught you. Okay, so question. Do you guys recognize this guy coming up on the screen right now? Who's that? Jiminy Cricket. Right, right, Jiminy Cricket. Okay, so what story, what story is Jiminy Cricket from? Pinocchio. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, I figured since this was like a retro theme, we could get away with doing an old Disney movie, right? But since Pinocchio is a pretty old movie, since it's a pretty old movie, let me, uh, let me give you the synopsis for those of you that may not be as familiar, okay? The story of Pinocchio is essentially this. He's a wooden puppet. He's a wooden puppet on strings. But the thing about Pinocchio is, is that he wants to be a real boy. Pinocchio wants to live. And so one night, the blue fairy comes down, a.k.a. Jesus, okay? The blue fairy comes down, and he grants Pinocchio's wish. He makes Pinocchio a real boy. He fills, she fills, Pinocchio with life. But here's the situation. Now that Pinocchio is alive, he's got to start making choices. He's got to start making decisions. He's going to have to choose between the path of destruction or the path of delight. And the problem with that is, is that literally Pinocchio has blocks for brains. So how is he going to make these choices on his own? So the blue fairy appoints Jiminy Cricket to be Pinocchio's official companion, his conscience, his guide. And as the story goes on, we see that Pinocchio goes on this journey and he has to make all of these decisions along the way. And the thing about Jiminy is, Jiminy doesn't necessarily teach Pinocchio anything brand new. Jiminy just reminds Pinocchio of what he already knows. Jiminy reminds Pinocchio of what Pinocchio's father, Geppetto, taught him Geppetto, the one who created Pinocchio, the one who chiseled him out of the wood and made him just the way he wanted him. 
Jiminy reminds Pinocchio of what Geppetto taught him. Jiminy reminds Pinocchio of what the Blue Fairy taught him. The lady who gave him life, true life, and made him a real boy. Jiminy reminds him of the love that the Blue Fairy has for him. Do you see what's happening here? Geppetto, Blue Fairy, Jiminy Cricket. He created, she loves, he reminds. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's the light bulbs. They're starting to come on. Okay, so you get the idea here. The Holy Spirit is our guide And he's also there to remind us of all of the truth of God's power and God's love and God's might in our life. But this leads me to another question. Why? Why does the Holy Spirit go to all this trouble? Why does the Holy Spirit desire to live in us? Why does he care? Ah, that takes me to my third thing. Because the Holy Spirit also seals us. The Holy Spirit is our seal. Have any of you ever seen a movie or maybe read a book from medieval times? So like a story that has knights and princesses and kings in it. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. So in every good story about a king, there is a reference to the king's seal. Now the king's seal looks a little something like this. Every single king would have their own emblem, their own symbol that they created that represented them. So that anyone, anytime anyone saw that emblem, they would know that's from the king. And so what they would do is they would create this seal and anytime the king made some kind of legal document, they would dip the seal into hot wax and then they would stamp the proof of approval, the stamp of approval, the seal, the king's seal on that legal document. And then everyone would know that whatever was in that document was exactly what the king desired. Now, a lot of times, it was a a law that the king wanted to put into play. Sometimes, however, it might have been the king's will. You guys know what a will is, right? This is what the king desires to happen if he would pass away. So who is going to get all of the king's rights and responsibilities? That would be in his will. Who's going to get all of the king's wealth and possessions? That would be in his will. And so if the king made a will to say, this is how it's going to go from here on out, that would definitely be sealed with the king's signature right there. So if the Holy Spirit is a seal on us, what does that mean? Well, it means that we are what the king desires. If you go back to Romans chapter 8, here's something else that Paul said about the Holy Spirit. He said, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation not to the flesh to live according to that, because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. No, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our own spirit, but we are God's children. And if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You guys, this means that the Father, God, did not just create us and then leave us at that. No, God chose us. God chose us to be his children. And even when we try to walk away and when we try to to deny him, the son 
God the Son brings us back. And he pays for our rebelliousness and our sin. And he provides a place at the table of the king for us once again. And then God the Spirit comes to dwell in us, to guide us, to remind us of all of the truthful things we already know, and to seal us with the promise that says, we are what the king desires. Wow. So here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is kind of awesome. <laughs> the Spirit guides us to the right path in life. He reminds us of the truth of God's power and his love. He seals us with this promise that we are chosen children, not just faceless, nameless members of God's army, but children called by name and loved so deeply, loved so much that they were willing to die for us. But because the Holy Spirit is awesome, this also means that he doesn't come in without being invited. See, the, the, the Spirit is bold. Don't get me wrong. The Spirit is bold. But the Spirit is also polite, which means you have a choice. And if you want, you can choose to continue to live exactly how you've been living. You can continue to run your own life. You don't have to have a guide. You don't have to have anybody there reminding you of truth. You don't have to have anybody there protecting you or offering your security. If you want to lead your own life, you can choose that. But just to make sure that you have all of the information, the Apostle Paul also wrote the book of Galatians. And in Galatians 5, he tells us what we're choosing if we choose to deny the Spirit. And this is what he says. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and I could go on. Sounds great. <laughs> but if that's not really your thing, then I would encourage you to choose the other option. And the other option is to invite the Holy Spirit in. And the way that you do that is that you say, I believe there is one true God. And I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And then you accept the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, this is what your life will look like. It's pretty different. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So I don't know, guys, for me, it's a no-brainer. And the beautiful thing about the Trinity is you don't have to choose good, better, or best. Because the thing about the Trinity is when you choose one, you get all three. And I guarantee you, you're not going to find a better deal than that. But you know what? That, that's just me. That's what I've chosen. The choice for you has to be made by you. 
And so I'm going to leave you with this. Simple. Choose wisely. The Spirit is waiting. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.